Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Today we're going to talk about a follow-up to last week's message. If you're not here last week, you can always pick up the messages in our bookstore uh, at a later date. But last week I talked on the subject of what it means to be a Christian in that it means one thing, God, Jesus Christ lives in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit live in your life. You're being a member of any church or any denomination or any sacrament you've had or any ritual you've gone through has nothing to do with the real meaning of Christianity. The Christianity is Jesus, Christ in us, is a hope, that is a hope of glory. If that has not happened to you, and you say, well, how do I know? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? Or did you just ask to join a church or ask to be baptized? Or did you just throw some kind of religious question that sounded good to you, and you just wanted to change things and get with some other people that didn't do the things that folks you know do? And that's not a Christian. The, what a Christian is, is Christ has been invited into your life through the Holy Spirit, wherever you go, he is there. Today, I want to follow that up by taking you to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. I want to show you what it means to have Christ in you. And another test, I guess you could say, because if you bog down today, it's pretty obvious that whatever you thought was real last week was not real because you weren't sincere. You again are looking for an easy fix to uh, some serious situations in your life. One thing that is absolutely a necessity and imperative and a, a clear evidence of what it means to be a Christian is what I'm going to talk to you about today. I'm calling it the message, I've entitled the message, Clarifying God's Call on Your Life. I want you to get it clear. We always say at Sagemont, don't come join us unless you know what you're getting into. But don't walk away from here till you know what you're walking away from. And we want you to listen carefully today as the Word of God speaks not in depth, where some will understand and some will not, but as Jesus always liked to speak, where all could understand it. So would you look at the fourth chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. And I want you to turn to the 18th verse uh, with your eyes and look there as well as on the screen or on your iPhone, whatever you like to do. Uh, I want to read to you from the 18th through the 22nd verse. Jesus is now recruiting followers. He goes out to four men, fishermen, and he speaks to them a very, very, very clear word. Let's see what he says. Would you stand with me? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, 
called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Jesus. They followed Jesus. Three times we just read, when you come to Jesus, it means you've chosen to follow Jesus. Let's look at that real closely. Would you do that with me? God bless you. You may be seated. Today we have many voices telling us what to do. Everywhere we go, get in this line, get out of that line. This door's closed. Do this, do that. If you watch television, and it's, always, it's, it's been all the way back to childhood with everybody trying to tell you what to do, but now we can just watch television in our home, and man, in a week you can just get full of stuff you're supposed to do. A group of struggling actors tell us to get a reverse mortgage on our house if we're getting older. We got those that couldn't make those commercials telling us to buy gold, buy gold. So by Monday, we call in about getting a reverse mortgage and at the same time buying gold. And then we have entertainers that used to be trying to sell us for only about 150 bucks all the songs of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. All you got to do is just pick up the phone. We've got a lizard telling us that in 15 minutes he can save us 15% on our insurance. <laughs> and a lot of people follow the lizard. <laughs> and then someone else comes on and says, buy one but call in 30 minutes and we will send another one absolutely free plus shipping and handling. <laughs> but no one beats the preachers. They are the absolute best pitch men in the world on television. Send me $100 and get your $1,000 in the mail real soon. For first-time guests, I want to tell you what I tell the people of Sagemont. You call that television program and tell them you don't need $1,000, you just need $100. And if they'll just send you $100, they can keep the 1000 and I will guarantee you, you won't get $100. <laughs> but the world goes after that. Unbelievable. Today, people will pay millions of dollars, millions of dollars for every 30 seconds and the commercial time. Some people won't watch a football game. They'll watch the commercials. I thank God there's an alternative. 
I thank, I thank God I don't have to listen to a lizard. I thank God that I can sing a song, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Well, what does it mean to obey Jesus? It's real simple, real, real simple. Follow me. Not do what I tell you to do. You just do what I do. I'm on my way on a journey. It is an eternal journey. And I choose for you to come along and your fare is paid first class. And I want you to follow me. There's some places you can be glad that Jesus was a man and not a woman. Because men don't use as many words as women do to tell you something like that. I've tried to imagine in my mind if Jesus would have been a woman, where he'd have started with that command. You know, honey, if you're not doing anything next week, could we go out and have some coffee and we'd like to sit down and talk about uh, uh, and catch up on maybe what I'd like for you to do and we can talk about what others are doing and what you know and so forth and so on. Jesus didn't mess with that, did he? He just said, follow me. If you'd have questioned me, he'd say, what don't you understand about that? I'm not telling you to go where I haven't been. I'm not telling you to do what I don't do. I'm just telling you, I will lead you if you will follow me. If you fall, I'll pick you up. If Satan comes against you or uh, adversity comes, I will be there. I will take the hit. I will block for you. I don't know which team will win today, but whichever one has blockers that puts the defense on the ground, I will guarantee you my grandmother could make a touchdown. <laughs> if she could just stay knowing where the goal was. <laughs> but we flounder around and say, well, I don't think you can do this, and I don't think you can do that, and if you'll do this, and if you'll do that, then if you, no, just follow me. Well, how am I going to get direction? You've got to have Christ in you. Because if you don't have Christ in you, then you don't know where to get the directions from. And people interpret, trying to interpret what, who Jesus was and what he came to do will confuse you and mess you up. Life is a search for a voice that we can trust. Listen to John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? You see, those who have committed their life to hearing the voice of God and obeying the, the voice of God have liberated themselves from many traps that Satan is going to set, many spiritual landmines, if you please. And those things that he has set to immobilize the children of God are clearly revealed. They're obviously detected. And the followers of Jesus say, no, I don't have to pray about it. No, I don't have to call the preacher. No, I don't have to talk to anybody. That's not what Jesus is telling me to do. As we look around for things that are going on, we find a world that is distracted. 
We're distracted by just about any, you name the subject, and there's so many distractions in that area. We can't pick up on the very simple thing, hear me and follow me. Hear me, know my voice, follow me. Matthew 4, 19 said, I, he said, if you will follow me, now listen, what, what, what will happen? If you're following me, I will make you fishers of men. Now, what does that mean? It means that if you follow me, I'm going to lead you where the fish are. I want you to reach out to them in this analogy, the people you work with, the people you're around all the time. I will lead you out there. And when you get out there, your job is to bring them to me. That's your job. Jesus came to bring people to the Father. He says to us, I want you, my children, to bring people to me. And I will take them to the Father. That's the plan. That's the purpose of all of life. Everything else is, it grows very, very dim. Relating meaningfully to Jesus begins to, by be, being a follower. Very simple, just follow me, just follow me, just follow me, just follow me. Just follow me. But Lord, I, just follow me. But I don't understand. Just follow me. One day you will understand. But follow me. When a person prays to ask Jesus into their life, now listen to me. It ought to be your desire when you pray, pray that prayer that you are ready to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And no longer is your acts, your talk, your walk, be conditional on the people of this world. Whatever happens to you, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Let me just give you a simple example. How did Jesus begin his earthly ministry? He got John the Baptist to baptize him. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit showed up at the same place in the same time after Jesus walked for miles to get to the River Jordan. And he said, according to the will of the Father, I want you to baptize me. And I want to picture the death, burial, and resurrection. I want to do what the Father's told me to do. And the only place in the Bible where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit show up is at the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus, the Son, is in the flesh, the Holy Spirit descends from heaven in the form of a dove, and the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Baptism does not save you, but it is a command of the Lord. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission, it says, Go you therefore, that's us, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the age. 
Now, he says, you go teach them and baptize them, and obviously he would not send people that had not been taught and had not been baptized to go and do that. And yet today, it is very easy for baptism to become confusing in your mind as a church ritual rather than obeying a commandment of the Lord who simply says, I want to do something very special for you and I will do it in your baptism. And you're looking at a man that have seen many, 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 many people absolutely change dramatically from their life, even of being in church all their life because they obeyed the Lord in believer's baptism, and there's no other kind of baptism in the Bible. First they believed, then they were baptized in obedience to the commands of the Lord, and the power of God comes on that moment, and then when you go out on the battlefield, no weapon is formed against you is going to prosper. But 50% of the people that ask Jesus in their heart don't want to be baptized. Yet they say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, but his first command, I'm not interested in. Try me with number two. Isn't this a multiple choice thing? Could I just suggest to you something? Jesus knows his ABCs and his one, two, threes. He's got a lot of blessings for you, but they start with one. You know, acknowledge. Two, confess. Three, repent. Four, be baptized. Five, follow me, like that. You say, well, I just want to do one, three, six, and nine. Jesus says, no, you do them one, two, three, four, five. That's fellowship. That's what he wants. But you say, I don't understand it. He said, where do I say to you, understand the way I do things? I tell you that, your way, that my ways are higher than your ways. I tell you that, that your wisdom is foolishness to me, and you want me to explain it to you? I'm not going to explain it to you. You are to trust me and do what I tell you. A soldier on the battlefield that will not listen to the commands of his commander is in serious trouble and decides what he's going to do all the time. I remember when I used to do a lot of, of, of uh, flying in private aircraft. I had a man that flew me wherever I went, and uh, he said, I'm going to teach you how to land this thing. He said, uh, because something might happen to me, if I'm the only pilot in the plane, you need to know how to bring it in. And uh, so he said, uh, now what, 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 let me tell you how this works. He said, I want you to get over in that seat and I want you to hold the yoke. When I say you got it, that means we got it. And he says, when I say I got it, that means I got it. Turn it loose. I was flying into Hobby at 1 o'clock in the morning when a seagull hit the windshield of the airplane. And I was at the controls. I was so glad that I had had that little bit of uh, teaching when he hollered it's a bird I got it I almost jumped in the back seat much less turned <laughs> loose of the yoke I didn't argue with him but there was a situation that I could not handle and he took control that's the way life is folks you may can handle whether you come to church or not you may handle whether you want to be baptized or not but you can't handle some of the other stuff that's coming down the pike. You better let go and let God. And the best way to do that is start with step number one. Repent and then be baptized because your sins have been remitted. Follow me. Follow me. We're on a mission. 
I want to say it again. Our mission is to follow him and get as many other people to join us as possible. It's easy, easy to say, I'm a believer. I, I mean, you can just say that. Everybody's a believer. You just believe in different stuff. But you can even say, well, I'm a believer in Jesus. So is the devil. Now, where else you want to go with that? There's a big difference in being a believer and being a follower. Big difference. A follower does what the leader says to without any argument. Well, in Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Pretty good question, wouldn't you say? Why do you call me Lord? Why do you tell everybody you're a follower of mine? You don't follow me. If you're following me, you wouldn't be dating that person you're dating. If, if you were following me, you would not take the positions you take politically. If you were following me, you would not be treating your parents like you do. If you were following me, you would not be the employee or the employer that you are. And the list goes on and on and on. Because his ways are higher than our ways. So what we do is, as he is, so we're to be in this world. And Jesus says, follow me and let me make something out of your life. What we want to do is we want to do it ourselves and say, I'm just going to pick myself up. I need to change my ways. You don't need to change your ways. You need to follow him. You follow him, he'll change your ways for you. Many people, many people have been very, very happy to call themselves Christians with little or no thought of following Jesus. What Jesus says about handling money, you could care less, and you know it. What he says about raising children, you could care less. What he, care, what he says about sin, you don't care. It's just kind of, what's everybody doing? Jesus says, if you'll watch me real close, you'll see most people don't follow me. But you want to follow me? Then I've got a plan for your life. We've not denied Christ or done a bunch of horrible things for a lot of us. But we have mastered the code of conduct and rituals and religion. I remember when our church quit having Sunday night services. Lord, help us, you know, the very thought to stay home with your family and, and love your neighbor on a Sunday night, that was horrible. I mean, you know, if you're a good Baptist, you know you have church on Sunday night and, and go by the Methodist church and look out there and say, God help them. <laughs> God help them. You know, husband don't come, wife does. Wife comes, husband don't. Or whatever, you know what I'm talking about. See, all that stuff is just crazy religion. Wherever he leads, I'll go is my favorite hymn. All the old people in the church know this, been here a long time. That was a song when I gave my heart to Christ. It was a song when I committed myself to preach the gospel. But when non-Christians see us, if we're not following him, we are giving a distorted portrayal of who Jesus is. And we're not showing any new life in Christ. Very little has changed. 
Very, very little. Except our telling them, but I got saved. Or I got saved and I got baptized. But my fellowship has stopped. I'm going to do whatever others are doing. Remember again last week, if you're a believer, Jesus lives in you. When somebody asks you to do something you know is a sin, why don't you turn to them and say, before I answer you, why don't you ask God if it's okay for me to do that? Because this body is his temple. I don't own this. He owns it. Ask him. Yeah, ask him. And if, and if there's wrong motives in that person, you know what they'll say? <clears throat> I'd, I'd rather not. I'm feeling a little bit ill. I think I'll go home and get another date next week. Because they don't want to deal with him because they know the answer. Even the world knows the answer. So if we're a follower, I mean, if we're a believer in Jesus, that's where it starts. But we're to become a follower. All of life suffers when you fail to follow Jesus. Your marriage will suffer. Your finances will suffer. Your children will suffer. Your job will suffer. Your joy will, will be affected. Your health will suffer. It'll go on and on and on. Why? Because I have chosen to do my own thing. We are created to connect with God. And the only way we connect with God is through Jesus Christ. That's the way it works. And when we connect to God through Jesus Christ, the promises of God, which are in the thousands, become ours to experience. It's tough to follow Jesus and stay on course. It was tough for Jesus to do the will of the Father, and he even prayed, Father, if you will change your will, let this cup pass from me. But if you won't, bring it on. But Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. It's plain tough for a lot of people to follow. Let me tell you something humorous. Get on a freeway. Let there be something up ahead that stops the traffic. And you don't have a radio to know what it is. And you watch the people in front of you. They start bailing off the freeway, don't they? Running through the ditches, all this kind of stuff, you know. Man, you're sitting there, what am I going to do? Well, what does the law say? What does it say? Yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, you know, right? But you know what? I'm in a hurry. I'm going to this thing that God didn't want me to go to, and i got to get there on time. Whoa, let's go. And you're out there in the ditch, and the mud is up to your bumper. And you got red lights coming with a wrecker and red lights coming from the Department of Public Safety. And you're going to tell them, well, I just, uh, I'm a Christian. I go down to Sage Mount. You know where the big cross is, you know? (laughs) This is my grandmother back here in the back. She was having a spell. I was trying to get her to the hospital. I mean, you know how you do that? Hey, it's real easy. It's real easy. They open another gate and everybody runs over there and then somebody with authority comes up and says, sorry, folks, I don't know who opened this door and he shuts it and you've got to go all the way back to the line. There'll be a whole lot of that today probably at the ball game. But that's the way people are. Always looking for a shortcut. Always got to get there. Jesus says, just follow me. People rushed to the doors of sin, but they're slow to follow God. So I want to give you a, a new word. Not a real word. Kind of made this up. 
The word is followership. Not, not followership, but followership. Nice opposite of leadership. What's a followership? A followership are those that are following the leadership. The follower follows the leader, right? You know, when I was young, I used to play a game as a child called follow the leader. You remember that? Remember that? And they'd do something real stupid and we'd have to do it. And then after we mastered that game, there was another game came up. Simon Says. Simon Says. Here we go. You know, I look on, back on that now and I think, and I played all those games. Got pretty good at it. You know what I mean? I look back on that now and I think, that's scary. Learning when you're four years old to do what other people tell you to do. That's scary. Real scary. But I survived. Because I met Jesus when I was seven. And you know, when you meet Jesus standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll always find Jesus. And somehow, someway, miraculously, there was a lot of times where somebody said, let's do this. And Jesus, still small voice, would say, you ain't doing that. I'll spank you when you get to heaven and your daddy's going to spank you while you're here on earth. <laughs> Don't go. Finding somebody that's wiser and more experience than you to, for you to follow is one of life's greatest discoveries. But you know what the problem is today? Where have all the heroes gone? Who do you follow? Who do you follow? I remember certain people just by their positions used to be highly respected. Not long, not now. Not now. But Jesus has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, if any man lack wisdom, this is what it says in James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll provide it. I am the way. If that is true, and you are convinced that that is true, then if you are willing to follow Jesus today, listen to me, you got it made. You got it made. Well, I'm just worried about what tomorrow. You following Jesus, you don't have a worry in the world. Not a worry. You say, but if, if I can just get enough alcohol, get enough drugs, get enough entertainment, get enough sex, get enough friends, stay busy, I think I'm going to make it. Especially if I have a good doctor. I had a terrible thought this week. You know, we're supposed to take care of our health because it's the temple of God, so I'm not putting that down. But it is a little bit scary that, you know, if you take real good care of yourself, then you just drag out your dying process. <laughs> right? We say, I hope when I go, it's not a long process. Well, quit eating all that asparagus then. <laughs> Broccoli and all that stuff, you know? But what we have to do is come back and say, hey, you know what? This is a real world. Jesus is not a project. He's a person. Christianity is not a project. It's a person. What we're to do is to simply follow him. All power is given to him on heaven, in heaven, and on earth. And Jesus has done so much for us. We ought to go out of our way to follow him. If Christianity is dull and boring, if it's a burden, not a blessing, then you've made it a project, not a person.
You've made it a system, not a savior. You have chosen to follow the rules instead of enjoy the relationship. Therefore, you see a lot of people that say, I'm a Christian, and they're the most miserable people you know. When Christ said, follow me, he used a very special word to underscore what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to embrace him in their entire existence. The word literally means come after, come after, come after. Follow me, come after me. I'll take the hit. Now you come after me. And no weapon is going to stop you because nothing will stop him, not even Satan himself. Today we are called the football fans fans. They're going to get real excited. That's what it's all about. You get excited about Jesus and you're a fanatic. Right? What got into you, Jesus? And he's sweeter as the days go by. We position our si ourselves in life so we can follow him. That's the reason we come to church. We hear the word. We share the word. We practice the word. We do the missions. We do the giving. We do all of those things that the world might know him. And we grow and we grow and we grow and we grow. We come to a point where we learn it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to serve than it is to be served. And we find ourselves doing things that are just shocking everyone, including ourselves. Every thought, every choice, every ministry that we experience today should move us toward a greater intimacy with Jesus. Is that doing that in your life? Today is Super Bowl. Let me tell you something to illustrate why you watch the game, if you watch tonight. It will be real easy for you to tell who's following which team if you watch. There'll be two groups of people there. They'll both have their opinion. They'll both have their team. They'll dress different. They'll have different colors. You can look over there and say, there's Seattle, there's Denver. They look different. Isn't that interesting? Where they sit. The way they respond to what's happening on the field. Just watch, just watch. Whenever the team scores, if it's your team, it, ah, and it's another just lost $100, you know. <laughs> and for certain, listen to me, and I'm through. When the game is over, you can tell the difference. One team's going to win. The other team's going to lose. I'm glad I'm on a part of a team that I don't have to call a bookie to put the odds up. The odds are 100 trillion to one. We win and Satan loses. Amen. And we need to look like it and act like it. We need to rejoice when he rejoices and we need to weep when he weeps. But the world ought to know which side we're on.
We owe it to them because if they don't, they're going to become terribly confused and they're going to make some mistakes that's going to cost them an eternity separated from God. The record book has recorded the past, it records the present, and it records the future. What are you going to do? You going to follow him? Because you have to choose. You have to choose. You don't have to, to support any football team, and you don't have to support any God. You can choose which God. Oh, how we wish all would say, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. Amen. That means we're going to follow him. And when we hear good news about people being saved in Africa or Asia or China, we're going to rejoice. Amen. And when we hear stories about people jumping off a bridge in a half a mile of the church, as last week, as we were dismissing the service, a man jumped to his death from the freeway. Where is he today? Where is he today? He was in sight of the cross. He was in footsteps of the church. I looked at his name in the paper I looked at the name on our visitor's rolls. I do not see his name. But history has recorded another death. And someone is in, I mean, he is in eternity somewhere. Right. What if that was your day? None of us know what a day will bring. Let's pray. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you can go through life, and most will choose to do this. I can assure you, if you want to reject this message today, you'll be in the overwhelming majority. You can go and do whatever you want to do the way you want to do it. Just say, well, God is a God of love and grace, and, and I'm just, I just am who I am. Or you can say, I'm not going with the crowd. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to look for my own way. I'm going to go his way. He's the way, the truth, and life, and I just want to find it. So I'm going to invite him into my life. I'm going to be baptized in obedience to his command, and then wherever he leads, I'm going to go. As we're singing this song, I hope those of you that would want to commit your life to, you say, I feel him leading me to join Sage My Church. I feel him leading me to, to accept him as my Savior. I feel him leading me to be baptized with believer's baptism. Whatever it is, go back to the connection lobby. Walk out the door to my right, one step, turn left. To this door to my left, one step. Out the second door there, turn to the right. There will be someone there to help you. You'll be following him. That's what he would want you to do. Let's stand. All over the building stand. No one moving now unless you're going to the Connection Center for the next few seconds as we sing, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.